There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to the family with Tevin Pivot, Mike Gelfin, and Andy Rampernard. Hey, there you go. So, what's the latest? Well, it's been a, it's been a, kind of a rough week in my circle. You know my buddy Bob Lundegaard. You know who he is. Oh, sure. I know Lundegaard really well. Yeah. So Lundy, Lundy, and I, Lundy befriended me when I was eighteen. I was working at the Minnesota Daily. He was at the Tribune, the Minneapolis Tribune. Mm-hmm. We, sure. we covered the same trial, and uh, one day I found out some interesting information that, that, that nobody else had. And so, you know, we, next day we walk into the courtroom before, before the trial starts, and he, he comes up to me and he says, Gelfand, you scooped me today. And now, not a lot of the guys working for the Minneapolis Tribune would say that to an 18-year-old working at the Daily. We yeah. were, so we were fast friends. It's been 55 years now. We've been fast friends ever since. I mean, we did everything together. You know, we had lunch together more days than not. He and I have played Scrabble together, tennis together. I mean, you know, we were on the same. We had a softball team. We did everything together. So it's just you know he's been really close to me and. Uh, I don't know if you read the story. Uh, it was it was on all the TV stations, and it was uh, certainly in the Star Tribune for sure, about the 62-year-old guy who was murdered at a bus stop in Edina. Mm-hmm. Um, it was his brother. Uh, that was that was Lundy's son. Oh, it was his son? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I knew it was a, I knew it was a family member. Yeah. But it was the guy was like sixty two something. The like guy that. was sixty two. It's, it's interesting because that guy was much closer in age to me than Lundy is. Yeah. Right. But but I and I, I didn't really know Chris. Uh, but I you know I I talked to him over the years on occasions. Uh, but um, you know he had he had, it was an I mean everybody has an interesting story to tell of course mm-hmm. if you know them and he had had he had had a, an ongoing battle with alcohol, but he'd been sober for 10 years, which is why he was at the grocery store picking up a, uh, a non-alcoholic, uh, you know, sort of faux champagne for, oh, okay. for the Thanksgiving dinner. This was the night before Thanksgiving. And then, of course, what happened was a, a guy who was mentally ill, probably a schizophrenic. Severely mentally ill, yes. Yeah, because, and, and you know he was because after... After he stabbed Chris, he didn't go anywhere. He just stood no, there. No, exactly. Yeah. Yep. So um, it's been, you know, I mean, I don't sleep that well since then. 
No, um, I understand that, Mike. I saw that same story. And and all you you keep seeing these shootings and the stabbings and the murders, and they always say, turns out the man had severe mental problems. Then why the hell is he out in the street? That's, the first that's right. That's exactly right. And you know what? I don't think anyone's going to write that story. No, they and, won't. So I think I'm going to write it. Good. Because I think, I, think, I think we all need to know that someone like this should not be on the street. This is no. a guy who had been committed on several occasions. He had a rap sheet, you know, about a mile long. Violent, Didn't say like 70 offenses? Oh, it's a huge number, and a lot of them it's involve huge. violence, too. So th- yep. the way it's supposed yep. to work is he's supposed to have a social worker. Now, social workers are in short supply these days, of course. But he's, mm-hmm. supposed, he's supposed to have someone who works to keep him from being – because he's a d- danger to himself and others. Yeah. So the yep. idea is to keep this guy off the streets, but it's, it's not that easy. So I want to know what happened, uh, how it happened, what went well, nobody wrong. Ever goes to, nobody ever goes to the hospital. Nobody ever goes to jail anymore. Everybody's, oh, you know, you killed the five people, but if you had promised not to do it again, we'll just let you out. Well, Why then you have we that. that. Then you have the county attorney, of course, the Hennepin County oh. attorney, who puts them back on the street. But those yeah. are people. Those are people who are just normal criminals. You know, these are people who are mentally ill. And have you ever seen the? Uh, have you ever seen a mental ward in a in a local hospital? Oh yeah. So you know what it's like. They've got like twelve beds, right? You know, these mm-hmm. are hospitals that are bigger than some cities, and they've got a mental ward for twelve people. And the reason, you know, the reason. I mean, we talk about it every day. You know, the reason why they've only got twelve beds there. They can't Boy. keep them in there? Um, no, it's because they're just not profitable. Oh, well, you got to make money off of people's mental illness, don't you? Yeah. So See, that's Mike, that's been my argument for a couple of years now. Everything is about money. Yeah. Your health care, your education, mm-hmm. your politics. It's all about money. Yeah. So, yeah, they don't keep anybody there. Go, oh, we don't make any money off of that. We're not taking care of you. No. It's disgusting. Yep. And, uh, and, you know, we need to have a system that protects everyone. Yeah. And in, in theory, this is what we're supposed to have. But, um, you know, the, as far as social workers go, of course, you know, hundreds of them quit because, you know, hundreds of millennials, not millennials, but hundreds of, of course, the greatest generation ones are gone. And now pretty much the, the, the boomers are pretty much gone, too. They've all retired. Mm-hmm. And and so it's like just like with a lot of other professions, there's not enough not enough people out there who either can have can get the job or want the job. And this is uh, so it's you know, it's this is something that just trickles down and and works to the disadvantage of everyone. No question. Well, I think I mentioned to you a few months ago that I I you know, I had some problems with my vision. So I went to the hospital to make sure it wasn't a brain problem or anything like that. Right. So I had a couple of scans done. I was at the hospital for three hours and the bill was Mm $12,000. $12,000. Yeah. Well, that's, and that's all part of the, the, the whole thing, you know, where we have the only, the only, uh, there's no medical system in the world like we have because the other ones are, are, typically based on what's best for citizens. And this one is based on what's best for insurance companies and hospitals. 
You know what I love most about that visit to the hospital? I won't say which hospital it was because most of the people there were very, very pleasant. Mm-hmm. But there were three separate parts of the bill that added up. There's 4,000, 4,000, 4,000. And they they asked me, well, you don't have, I said, I'm fully covered. You know, my age, I'm, I'm fully covered. Mm-hmm. I got all the insurance you need. But here it all is. Well, no, this one part's not covered. And I said, oh, okay. It was $4,000. So I paid the $4,000 bill. Mm. I, they later found out, oh, we were wrong. It was covered. So we will reimburse you. And I said, okay, when? They said, and I'm not kidding, sometime in the next 12 months. Yep. Oh, yeah. Well, no, no question. Didn't, right. didn't take you 12 months to swipe my card before I left. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. In 2020, we had to do an amendment to our tax return. Mm-hmm. Um, we got the refund check three months ago. <laughs> I hope you got interest. No, of course not. <laughs> and, 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 years. and it should be it should be said because you know I've had a trip to the hospital here and there, not too often, but over the last ten or fifteen years. Uh, and uh, the people who the healthcare workers are fabulous. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. They they go all the way, and they're so mm-hmm. and you know I. I wound up in the hospital for a few days, uh, right in the smack middle of COVID, and I mean, oh, I mean, God. I was it was really lucky that they had a bed for me, and like you know, so after about the fourth day, I was ready to go, and and you know the uh, my 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 uh, the the hospitalist, you, know, you have hospitalists who you know who work closely with all the other all the other doctors and nurses, and and the hospitalist said to me. Um, well, you know, you really you should be here another day. And I said, yeah, but I need to go home and sleep. And uh, and she said, well, there is a lot of COVID here. <laughs> so I got out of there a little bit early. But, I mean, just you could see the tension, especially in the nurses. They're, you know, they're working yeah. 12-hour yeah. shifts, and they're, they're just but, – but they don't – you know, it's, their faces show it, but their actions don't. You know, it's so amazing about it. I mean, keep going back to the same visit, but, but you were right. The people that work there, the women and men that work there were very, very pleasant, did a great job. They were very easy to deal with. Mm-hmm. Uh, luckily, they were most of them were listeners, so that does <laughs> it help. It does help, yeah. <laughs> it helps quite a bit, no question. But I, I just, so it's the people who own the hospitals that are making all this money. Very profitable. Yeah, the, the <laughs> nurses well, and you oh, get Jude, get them. Yeah, the the people that are working there. I mean, it's a lot like if you go to a, a business and you know the owner might be a scumbag, but the employee who's just trying to make a buck to pay their bills and really cares. Mm-hmm. In this case, the nurses they want to help somebody, so yeah, they're going to give it their all. They can't control yeah. the mm-hmm. regulations that people put in place, but yeah, they're there to help out. I have a question for you. So there are what five point five million people living in Minnesota now. Isn't that about right? Is that about yeah. It's, I guess that it sounds, sounds about good. right. Yeah. There I are, yep, 5.7. 5.7 million. So it went up by 200,000 since no. last year. Maybe we'll get another congressman someday. Won't that be great? <laughs> okay, Don't Andy, so it. you're going to have to, I'm going to round the number up by $19 just so it's not so hard to do. Would you multiply five, uh, $600 by 5.7 million people? Insured Minnesotans' health care costs $600 more per person last year. Wow. That was last year, not this year. Hmm. I mean, yeah. how much money is that? And when that is, is this spiral going to stop? $3.4 billion. 
$3.4 billion just in the state of Minnesota. How about universal health care? Has anyone ever tried that, you think? <laughs> Canada. And pretty much every country except ours. Except ours, yes. Yeah, oh, there's just too much money to be made, yeah. honest to God. Because all the others are based on, at some level at least, are based on what's best for the people. Now, all of the, the three of you have health care, correct? Oh, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it is pretty much all 5.7 million people in Minnesota that had to pay this, right? Uh, I mean, everybody had to pay it. I would say there's probably a large amount of people that don't have health care. That don't have any health care at all? Boy, that's dangerous. There's some, yeah, and a lot of people, of course, you know, they're they're on the, uh, you know, men care. Mm -hmm. And um, so I assume they're, even though that's for people who are, who just, can't get health care mostly them are they're they're impoverished but i assume they pay a little more too apparently eight percent of the population is uninsured Mm -hmm. it's actually pretty small that's not yeah that's a lot smaller than i thought it would be i thought it'd be about a quarter of the people so it's eight percent so so literally we are still looking at that figure three point let's say three point two billion dollars right well and and the people who aren't insured i mean we pay for them we pay for them too so that's the other part yes we do they have to have, and I'm not going to deprive someone from health insurance because they're broke, because there are some people that have no money. Although, to tell you the truth, back when I was a kid, we didn't have any money, and there was nobody handing out any health care back then. I can guarantee you that. That was a lot different. So I, it was a lot different back then. You know, then, when, but, the, when the Mayo Clinic, uh, it's been, I don't know, 100 years or something or more since the Mayo Clinic mm-hmm. opened in yep. Rochester, but um, for a long time... They treated, uh, they, they treated, you know, residents around the area for free. Oh, I remember that. Yes. Yeah. Yep, I do remember that. Not anymore. No, no, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's not. Well, they're going to build a whole nother hospital, I heard. Oh, they're, they're going to build an, another extension to the Mayo Clinic. Oh, and they're springing up and, you know, auxiliaries are springing up all over the country. Probably there must be some that even aren't in the U.S. Yeah, there will true. be if, if not. All right, we can lighten the moment because, look, I'm, I, that's the number, $3.4 billion just in Minnesota alone. Mm-hmm. So nationwide, it has to be nearly a trillion dollars, I would imagine. If you, if you look up, like on Wikipedia, wherever, uh, a mid-sized city, you know, a city with maybe, you know, 75,000, 100,000 people, mm-hmm. probably about half the time, you know, they'll, they'll list the, the, the largest employers. I would say at least half the time the largest employer is a hospital. Or yeah, a clinic I, it is of quite often. Often, yeah. So that's this is yep. you know this is this is like a huge chunk of the economy, and it's a and it's a warped chunk. It certainly is. So to lighten the moment just a little bit, because if we keep up on this, we're all, all the four of us are just going to be so pissed off at having to pay all of this money to protect our our loved ones. Uh, and that's the part of it that really makes me upset. Look, we're trying to cover our loved ones, make sure they're healthy and all the rest of it. And the costs keep going up and up and up and up. So how many people, what you said, 8% of the people get left behind, but then we pay for them. But there are some people who won't go to a hospital because they don't have insurance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be very harmful to a lot of people, I would think. Well, you know, I, I knew a guy at the racetrack. He was making millions of dollars, hitting the pick six left and right. Back really? in the day, well, back in the days, the early days of Canterbury, the, when, mm-hmm. the, when the pick six, sometimes the pool would get to a million dollars or come close. And this guy, he, he was a very skilled 
gambler, he'd come in from the East Coast knowing that there'd be a lot of, basically, he, he talked about Canterbury being the soft underbelly of gambling in, in the U.S. So, really? So there was all this money coming in from people who didn't know what they were doing, which meant that if you knew what you were doing, you, I mean, my brother and I, you know, we had the pick six fairly often in those early years because really? we kind of knew what we were doing. And he, um, you know, he, so he had a lot of money, but he would, uh, if he got sick, he didn't have any health insurance or anything. So if he got sick, uh, he would go to a hospital in, in, in whatever city he was in, and he would just tell them that he was impoverished because he wanted to get it free. Well, I suppose, you know? yeah. So this, is, this, this sort of scam would not exist if we had universal health care. No, there's no question. And as you said, most of the planet does have universal health care, yeah. correct? No, absolutely. That's what I understand. I don't know why we... In, is there a certain amount of pride in America? It's like, oh, we don't need that. We can take care of ourselves. Is that part of the problem? I, I, don't, I don't really think so. I think it's because... Okay. I think it's because the, like the, the lowest level lobbyist for the insurance industry or the health care industry is probably more powerful than most senators. God, isn't that amazing? Because they got the money. They're distributing they the money. They represent a lot of money. There's no doubt about it. Is that text you're sending so important that you missed your turn? Is that text you're sending so important that you ran the red light? Is that text you're sending so important you didn't see the ball coming onto the road or the child that followed? Hi, I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. When you take your eyes off the road for even four seconds, your vehicle travels 100 yards. That's the entire length of a football field. If you absolutely have to text, you need to pull off the road somewhere safe and do it from there. Texting and driving is against the law and can cause serious injury or even death to you and others. Now that is important. We hope you're never injured in a collision, but if you are, please contact us. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Going farther with Mike Bryant on your side, seeking justice for the injured. Bradshaw and Bryant. Tom here. For years, you've heard me talk about my friends at North American Banking Company. They have great online and mobile banking options, plus friendly employees who are always ready to help. And with their location in Maple Grove now open, it's even more convenient for me and my family. Go visit my friends at any one of their six Twin Cities locations or go online to nabankco.com to learn more. Why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC and equal housing lender. You all have helped build my fellow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. All right, to lighten the load here a little bit, because that, that is very stressful. Uh, obviously, you have loved ones. We all have loved ones. And what's it going to cost? Andy, what's it going to cost when, when you're my age? Jesus, mm. well, it's going to be 6000 a month? I, well, I have a feeling by then we're going to – the dollar is going to have to be restructured. We're going to have, like, the it's, new dollar. Yep. 
You're going to have to. You're absolutely right about that. So we can lighten it up by talking about the new state flag in Minnesota. Oh, they actually picked it, picked it finally? No, not yet. They're having problems uh. because there are several people that say, oh, my God. Uh, Ted Kay is his name, an expert in flag design who compiled a book on the subject, suggested a few changes to improve the six finalists for Minnesota's new state flag. His quote is, they all need work. <laughs> so, well, I'm sure. Six flags. Tim Kay said that. Mm-hmm. Where's he from? Yeah. Does it he's say where he's from? from? I wonder. Let's see. It here. does not say where he's from. Because it sounds to me like Tim Kay needs to mind his business and let us just pick a flag. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> like who? C- it needs work. It's a flag. Nobody cares, Tim. He's just trying to keep his job relevant. A flag yeah, expert. They're what? redesigning the flag, so they need somebody's got to watch over. I have to quote JB on this one. Keep your opinions to yourself. Right. <laughs> a flag yeah, design expert. This is probably his one gig he's got all year. Oh, yeah. To chime in on this. Like, you just calm down, Tim. We don't need uh, Tevin, it says down. here, expert grades Minnesota state yeah. flag. Oh, it says Ted, expert Ted right can. here. He can, he can go be an expert somewhere else. Let us pick our crappy flag and it's hang it up. Flag. Yeah, nobody, nobody cares. And then Tim. he can come back when they decide to change the name of Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, that's, you know coming, it's that's coming up. Soon. Yeah, really. Yeah, that's true. Oh, he has that's a book true. called "Good Flag, Bad Flag." No, I bet uh, that's a bestseller. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> For trying to promote his book, number three on the Amazon chart. Yeah, yeah the North American Vexillological Association recommends it. Oh, Vexillological. Right. Pardon so, me. If you're a vexillologist, then this book is for you. I'm not. I'm not a vexillologist, but I'm vexed. Yes, I'm just Most vex. Anti. Are you yep. anti-vex or are you pro-vex? <laughs> oh, no, I've had just... six vexes. <laughs> so I have a question for you. Why, again, are we redesigning the state flag? Who cares? Because well, a lot of bureaucrats with nothing to do need to feel important. Yeah. Somebody thought it was offensive. Okay, let's change it. It shouldn't take but, this long to change the flag. See, what I think you should have done. So the current flag is there's like a Native American and a European and they're Which just kind of like looking at each other. Mm-hmm. That's good. I think they should change it so they're both strangling each other. Mm-hmm. That's appropriate, <laughs> right. yeah. Just go the opposite direction right. that they wanted us to go. Or if we really wanted to get it over with quick, just keep the same flag, but then just take the two people out of it. So now you just have an empty field <laughs> with yeah. the tree, with the circle, oh, Minnesota, and everything. Yeah. there's nothing here. Mm-hmm. And let's go. There are no people here. Just never mind the five and a half or 5.7 mm-hmm. million right. now in the state. Uh, six finalists for the new Minnesota state flag, five for a new state seal. Minnesotans can now weigh in on the state flag seal finalists. Where have all the loons gone? And other questions about the Minnesota flag. This is a flag. Who cares? Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, you know, yeah, it's, it's, uh, how, how much time do you spend th- thinking about the state seal? Well, it's like before all of this was happening, if someone told you to draw the state seal, how far could you have gotten? I like, would just I draw have, a seal. I would have made a circle. <laughs> I would put, yeah, if you were like and drawing then, flag or seals, I'm the outline, yep, nothing else. I don't know what's inside the circle. I just know it's stuff inside a circle. But yeah, I'm looking at the uh, the finalists. They basically all are, there's a star on all of them. Yes. Or like a twinkle kind of thing, which makes yep. sense. It's the star of the north. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, right. you know, they're not are terribly they... exciting, but it's a flag. Exactly. Who really cares? Why do you think, and I really want your honest opinion, why do you think everybody is so easily offended now? My God, people are easily offended. I don't get it. Like I said, I don't know if anyone actually cared about this. I think it was just like a bunch of people 
who have been paid far too much money to do nothing. They're like, oh, right. well, I need to justify my own existence, so let's find a problem yes. and fix it. This is their one exciting moment where they get to, you know, rally, and we can make a difference, so we're going to change the flag. And it's like, yeah, just everybody calm down. If it's, we want a new flag, get a new one, it, but it shouldn't be this it's big. It's the classic deal. case of a solution looking for a problem. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. exactly right. Exactly. Yeah, it's one of those situations. I, if you had asked me a year ago, hey, Tom, describe the Minnesota state flag, I would have had no idea no. where to start. No, Not no a one clue. Knew. I didn't know. I could, you said there's a Native American on a horse, I think. And then there's a there's like a European guy plowing a field or yep. something. Right. And if they mm -hmm. were like, hey, we're going to change the flag every year and this is going to be our new thing, I'd be like, that's fine, too. I'm just going to randomize our flag every year. Now Give. they're, they're going to have a Native American selling weed. Yeah, there you go. It's the Ooh. changing with the times. Hmm? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's all recreational. Let's not forget that. Absolutely. Doing the best job. They can. I just think we take every problem and make it much bigger than it actually is. Uh, why do we need to do that? I don't get it. I mean, I think we're conditioned to with that when there's serious problems, the only way to get anything done is to make a bunch of noise to draw attention. And so then when there's something that would be, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, a very minor problem, such mm -hmm. as changing the flag, we still try to put all of the same amount of noise and energy into it. And something like changing the flag, it could have been. I don't know, like a fun, hey, we just get to change the flag. Everybody send in your ideas. We'll pick one, and who really cares? And now it's turned into this, like, well, is it really quality enough? Does it really represent what Minnesota is? And, like, come on, just pick a flag, guys. Yeah. Again, no one cares. Right. I don't think anybody cares what the flag is. I really – just leave it alone. Yeah. Let's move on. Why don't you spend time on other things that are much more important, like not getting people stabbed to death by some nut job that you didn't put – in an institution. Yeah. I, I wonder what the dollar amount is if you when you break down everybody's salary that's been trying to change the flag, what the monetary amount is that now has gone into this. Because it's got to be high. They've been doing this for months now. Yeah, it has been months. Well, the one benefit of it is that it's a, quote, problem that can be solved. We can, can all it? congratulate each other. We got this baby done. But you know people are going to be bitching about it no matter what it is. Yeah, yeah but most of us won't care. No. I don't care now. No. It's a lot like when the Lake Calhoun, Betamaka, Ska, or whatever yep. name, changed, mm. and then it changed mm -hmm. back, and then now it changed again, or then changed again. It's, yeah, very similar to that, where nobody really cares what you call the lake. We're just going to run around it, put whatever sign up you want. Same thing with the flag. Mm. Oh, did they change the name of the, the old Calhoun again? Well, it, they originally changed it to, like, the whatever the beta maca ska ski so I can't day maca ska i go. believe and then yeah, briefly i know that i think it changed back right away because there was like the backlash Calhoun. to the backlash and then it officially went full beta maca ska yeah, it's officially yeah. changed now yeah yeah oh it is now changed and calhoun was it did he own slaves or something uh, yeah, so I think I, who the hell other, even is Calhoun? I, yeah, I couldn't point him out of a two-man. Yeah, who's Calhoun? No, no he I was. You know, he was in that Amos and Andy show, wasn't he? Hey, that's, that's what that's they what named the flake after. Yes. When I was a kid, a little boy, I swear to God, when I heard, first heard the name of that lake, I thought it was named after the Calhoun on Amos and Andy. <laughs> <laughs> the only Calhoun I'd yeah. ever heard of. Right. Makes right. Sense. That was Good a great show with, with white guys playing black guys. Not the one that was on television. 
Well, no, no, but on radio, where it originated. On radio yeah. was. Yes, on radio was white guys playing black Wait. guys, but once it was on television, it was so, so I never heard the radio show. So, so if it's a good. radio show of uh, white guys playing black guys, is then is that mm-hmm. black voice? Yeah, really. Is that a scandal? Well, it, was a, yeah. <laughs> that it, yeah. it was a caricature, <laughs> which was uh, somewhat negative. And say, Whoa, and uh, yeah. that kind of thing. Uh, okay, I yeah. remember the radio show because my mother used to listen to it when I was like four. Yeah, really? I don't know yeah, if I've, I've ever heard a radio show in my life. Yeah. Well, well, actually, I have. I heard a radio show in Fallout 4, but that doesn't, oh, really, yeah. that doesn't really count. I still loved, oh, Sapphire. <laughs> that was my favorite quote on the show. Yeah. Because Amos did love Amos and Andy. That was Andy that was married to Sapphire, wasn't it? I think. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember who Amos was. and who. I know they were best friends. I do. I thought it was a very entertaining show. It was always very funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, where I grew up would fit right in anyway. There were families like that around me. I, I just, I don't know, man. Things get very, very weird for who knows why. But uh, Star Tribune hired a new chief product officer. Now, what's a chief product officer for a newspaper, Mike? It's uh, someone who has nothing to do with journalism. <laughs> yeah, that's a good answer. <laughs> Is that what it is, really? I would guess. What does that mean? Does does the story tell us what that means? Uh, I can I can read the story and and run it down for you because I got to be honest with you, I've never heard of a chief product. Oh, what the hell happened to the story? Now? No one in in my I years in journalism, ball. no one ever said, Mike, we'd like you to put out a good product for yeah, us today. No, it sounds like there was a guy that didn't want to retire but wasn't quite useful anymore mm. and so they're like ah, we'll just find a new spot hey you're describing you. my dad when he was the reader's representative it basically sounds like it's glorified marketing ah oh it's marketing so who is the guy Andy? you got the story uh for star tribune yeah star tribune hires chief product officer with new york times the guardian experience Air- so there Aaron you go. pillhofer 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 sure so why not famous minnesota yeah, name it is. Who who are the Pillhoffers in Minnesota? I'm not sure, but wasn't wasn't the a guy named Pillhoffer? Wasn't he the conductor of the Minnesota Orchestra? Oh, maybe that's where I heard. Or was it. he just a composer? The uh, one of the two. I think he was just a poser. So basically, <laughs> it's the, the new chief financial officer. So no, that's, that's much more important than this. Yeah, I would think yeah. so. Yeah, that's money. Pro- as far as I can tell. Okay, here we go. Pillhoffer will lead the Star Tribune's efforts to grow its digital products and services. Oh, so, so yeah, it's marketing, they, yeah. So they do understand nobody's yeah. going to pick up a paper newspaper anymore. I, it didn't even mention the physical paper in his job description. So no, make, the yeah. circulation, you know, is is still not that bad. It depends on the publication, of course, yeah. and the and the area for sure. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. and it's mostly people, of course, in their sixties or seventies, mm-hmm. but. But other people, some other people too. I, I just every now and then, like on a, when I'm at the grocery store, I'll buy that day's edition of the Star Tribune, and um, I don't know. For me, there's a real comfort in it, even if the news is terrible. Just being no, able to pick that. up that product and read it. But for me, a lot of that is nostalgia. And we still get yeah. it at our house every day. Yeah. See. And Tom, because you mentioned the Pillhoffer family that might be famous in Minnesota, there was yes, a Herb Pillhoffer. Herb, right? He was yeah, a composer. Yeah, that was a composer and musician. Worked with the Guthrie. Yep, yep. the Guthrie, and then wrote the, uh, sounds like he wrote like the, early, like the hockey team song for the North Stars back in 67. Huh, really? Yeah. I do remember that name, absolutely. So Herb Pillhoffer it was, yeah, there yep. you go. 
So I don't know. I, I just, you, you get the news out there. Uh, does anybody, well, I, I gotta be honest with you. I check the digital star tribune page every day. Yeah. You know, I don't hold the newspaper, even though it's delivered to our house every day. I don't hold the newspaper in my hands anymore. First of all, it's only about six, seven pages now anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is like 10 times the size of the St. Paul paper, which isn't really, Yeah, it's kind of sad. It's just one word yeah, it's a day. Bad. It's yeah. one word per day. You have to assemble them yourself throughout <laughs> the week. All you, get, you get one word per day, and then that's just how it's going to be. Basically, that's it. But, but the thing is, if you, if you want to have any shot at knowing what's going on in, in Minneapolis and the Twin Cities, mm-hmm. I mean, the Star Tribune is the only place you're going to find it. Oh, I think that's probably true. Uh, matter of fact, I like looking at local news, whether it's the newspapers, television, or whatever, much more than the national news. The national news yeah. is unbearable now. You guys been watching it at all? Nope. It's hard nope. to for me. It's hard to avoid. Yeah, I understand. But yeah, but these I, days it's of course the the big story is 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 Israel. What do you think about that, Mike? That's quite the story right there, isn't it? I think there have been Uh-oh. opportunities at, at you know at some points maybe to just do what is the logical thing, which is to have you know to have two different states, right? Doesn't that make sense? I guess. I mean, they're always going to be at war if you don't have it. They'll probably be at war if you do, but maybe and then maybe you have maybe it's possible to have leaders who. Um, find that to be acceptable because obviously nobody thinks this is acceptable. Well, Mike, I gotta, I gotta ask you this. I am absolutely shocked at our college system, the way they have turned on Jews in this country. What is that all about? Well, it's, it is a pretty small minority, but obviously they make a lot of noise and because of their, their venom and their hate and their stupidity, they get the headlines. I gotta be honest with you. have to deal with this. I don't care if a family member of mine got a, got a scholarship. I would not want anybody in my family going anywhere near Harvard. God, no. I cannot believe that Harvard has turned on Jews the way they have. It's disgusting. Well, they're, they're, I will say this. They're, they know it's a huge problem. But how they deal with it will, of course, be the test of just what kind of institution it is. Yeah, it's not great so far, I'll tell no. you that, Mike. And, and we know also with Harvard, Harvard is a big big legacy university. Oh, yes, absolutely. And they're worth how Andy looked it up. Was it like they're worth like $20 billion or something or $52 billion? Yeah, I think it's more like $52 billion. I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. $53 billion in assets. $53 billion. Mm -hmm. Why did we get to a point where any of our universities, any of our colleges got to a a worth of $52 billion without helping (laughs) everybody? Mm -hmm. Well, I know, and it's of course they, you know, they get all sorts of money from people who shouldn't have graduated from there. Well, the the problem is that we have a culture of go to college or you're a worthless idiot. Right. So mm-hmm. everyone is going to college, whether they should or not, and that means that colleges basically have absolute control over the economy. So they can charge what they want, and people are still going to yeah. pay it. Well, they they have a big influence over some pieces of the economy, like law firms, for example. Well, there's oh, God, a lot of yes. jobs out there you need a degree for, even if the degree well, is completely just, irrelevant. Just a degree in general, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it's like, you know, why should every single job need a degree? And why would a job, mm. like, okay, you're a real estate broker. Mm. In order to become a realtor, you need a degree. 
you don't need a degree in real estate. You can have a degree in math. Right. They just want you to have a degree. Why? Yeah. Well, you know, I think I think I know several realtors, and I'm just amazed at their knowledge of the of the laws and the the ordinances and all the yeah. things that you know. So I they do need some kind of education. But I, they don't learn that in college, though. They learn no, that no, they, in they learn it in real estate school. Right? Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. But they'll be like, we need you to go to you know whatever university and just get a exactly. generic bachelor's degree just yep. so you can say you can check that box and exactly. then you have to go to real estate school where it's like just right. go to real estate school you don't need to have some fancy degree to well sell and there's a lot of jobs like that it's like yeah you want to mm. you want to manage our you know mcdonald's in a pop town of population five thousand. Mm. i hope you have a degree otherwise you're not getting mm. hired well i'd been you know i'd been at the wall street i was 22 i've been at the wall street journal for about six seven months and I was talking to the managing editor, and I said something about not having a college degree. And oh, God. He said, you don't have a college degree? I said, no. He said, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Back then, it wasn't that big of a deal. Well, it, it, it was a big deal except for the fact I'd been there. I had proved that I could do the job, so it no longer mattered. Mm. Well, that's the real hard part is it's because a lot of job recruiters use a college degree as a shortcut they can just throw out anyone who doesn't have a degree, and they'll be like, oh, well, well it's because they uh, haven't proven that they're, you know, capable or right. intelligent or whatever. Mm. It's not illegal to discriminate against people with a college degree, so that's what they're going to do. Right. It makes their jobs easier. Well, the college, you know, the recruiters, that used to be a real thing. I mean, uh, I, I did not graduate from college in the early 70s, and uh, the recruiters were all over the place, you know, trying to recruit students to do any, any number of jobs. Uh, but they're not there anymore. It's it's a different kind of thing mm -hmm. now. But I think that we a lot of times it's easy to lose what the the concept of what colleges are all about because number one, colleges are about helping people figure out what they want to do, and that's really important. You know, because a lot of those mm -hmm. people figure out they want to be you know whatever lawyers, nurses, doctors whatever they 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 figure out they want to do things that that are important i mean every job is important of course but they figure out things they can do that would be very important to them and mm -hmm. and to to all of us so that's big the other thing is in in theory at least going to college helps you to think uh because the whole concept is the concept uh, that that we don't see much in education anymore it's it's basically goes back you know, to to the concept that we learn by challenging. We learn by not accepting the norm. And and that's a big thing for people to learn. Because if you don't learn that, if you don't learn how to how to accept the challenge of your of your of the things you've always just assumed, you miss a lot. Yeah. My notes if you challenge me I'm gonna dock you. Yeah, I mean it's the it's the, you know, the, the Socratic method, it's based, it's what everything in the, this country is based on. It's our economy is based on that. Mm -hmm. And now that it's not based on it so much, we're seeing a lot of problems with mm -hmm. our economy. Same thing with education. The Socratic method was supposed to help teach, for that matter, you know, certainly high school kids. But high school kids, it, it depends. There's some great high schools, but there's a lot of high schools where that's just, you never get there with students because... Most of them, in the first place, they, they don't read. And a lot of them aren't interested in going to class. And 
we fail at every level because of that. Isn't that amazing? Andy, would you do me a favor and look up how much money Harvard donates to charity every year or donates to help people every year? Um, I think it's $24. It's, not, it's gotten up that high at $24, really? Well, the one, the one thing, of course, they do is they provide free tuition to a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that's only rich people. Yeah. No, 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 no. The rich people pay. <laughs> <laughs> but the people who can't afford to, but of course they, they're going to have more trouble recruiting uh, the people who can't pay because of the fact that, you know, people are going to say that they're, you know, they're, they're, um, it's affirmative action, you know, which is no longer yeah, legal. Right. I'm finding a whole lot of pages about giving to Harvard. Yeah, so uh, no I'm not there. really seeing anything about Harvard giving to anyone else. Well, I, same thing. I looked for it and yeah. I couldn't find it. Most of it is, I think most of it is probably just about giving free tuition because well, what would a Harvard, if somebody actually paid the full price, which, you know, which some of the legacy people do, mm -hmm. um, I wonder how much that would be. It probably has to be 250000 or so, right? Probably true. But if they just took, if you can't get a 7% rate on $53 billion, then you don't know what the hell you're doing. Mm -hmm. So basically, there's $3.7, $3.8 billion of interest on that money alone yeah. every year. Yeah. How many people can go to college on just the interest from that money? Well, let's see. Harvard <laughs> tuition. Uh, let's see. It's about $56,000. Times really? Four two hundred twenty-four thousand mm. dollars. What was the number you said? I said two fifty, but I was built. including things like you know room, we'll room just, and board and stuff. Yeah, we'll right. just round up to two fifty. I would say. Yeah. There right. you go. And then the interest number was what now? Seven percent on uh, three point seven billion dollars. Three point seven billion dollars. Oh, it would be three. No, no, I'm sorry. The interest on fifty-three billion yeah. is about three point seven. Right. Uh, mm. Fifteen thousand people. 15,000 15, free four-year degrees at Harvard. Mm. Every, every year. Uh, That's just the Well, this is, this is four-year degrees. Right. And the thing yeah. about the legacy people is that they not only pay the full tab, Mm -hmm. But that's just the start of Oh, it. their dads are donating hospitals yes, and exactly. entire wings. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 100%. You know, you, I mean, look, I mean, Kushner went to Harvard, right? Yeah, he did. Uh, that A lot of money had to switch hands for him to go to Harvard. So you don't think he's bright enough to be in there? Mm, I don't Harvard think received no. $1.4 billion in donations in 2018. <laughs> in donations. In donations. <laughs> it's, it's how the system works. And we let it the kid is, in, and then he, he has a kid, and then it just keeps going from generation to generation. So we can't just put out a Tom Bernard morning show, you can donate today? Right. Is there, is there I mean, any we way can, to, but is anyone going to give us $1.4 billion? Probably not. Is there any way to attach the show link to their uh, the right. donation link? We can just merge yeah. accounts. Yeah. And when I worked at the, at the, in, in the journalism business, especially at the, at the Minneapolis Tribune, they, every summer the, the legacy kids from Harvard and Yale poured in because they wanted to say on their resumes before they went to law school, that they had worked for a newspaper, and oh, of course, yeah. and of course, you know, many of them were very bright. Most of them were very were pretty smart. Very few had any interest in journalism. Most of them had never written a paragraph before, 
And yeah. so as a journalist, they, they provided no value at all. But, but I knew a few who thought they were better journalists than anyone at the paper. Now, I'm not condemning everyone. I'm just saying this is in my personal life. Mm -hmm. So I'm not condemning everyone. But most of the people I know that have graduated from Harvard are the biggest assholes I've ever met. You had the same experience? Uh, you know, I, I had that experience with, with the ones who, had, who, were, who were summer interns and would graduate from Harvard, <laughs> yeah. I don't really run into a lot of people who are gra Harvard graduates, but I know of a lot because half of our politicians, especially the ones who keep talking about how, how horrible the elite are in this country. They're yes, usually the exactly. ones that went to Harvard and then Yale. <laughs> yeah, no, the, I, it feels like just kind of the Ivy League schools in general they have a very elitist attitude. I remember when I was in high yeah. school, I got recruited to play football by Brown University, and I was talking to somebody, and I was like, oh, yeah, I don't think I'm going to go out there. I have no interest in going to Brown University. One, probably can't get into Brown University, but that's a whole other story. Hmm. And he's like, well, you know, there's really just no experience better than hanging out with the elites that will go through Brown. I was like, okay, this makes me not want to go to this school yeah. anymore. Hey, like, my, my buddy Neil Carlin went to Brown, so... I have to defend Brown. Yeah, and I'm sure Brown's a great school, but yeah, like it's a always, lot of people It's have, always uh, been sort of the Jewish uh, Ivy League school. Yeah, that's true. That is very, very oh, true. Well, of course you like it then. Well, yeah. well, yeah, I guess, yeah. Yeah, but you go Mike. Well, the thing is, here's the thing. If Neil Carlin went there, which he did, and Nathaniel West went there, I mean, yep. those are two of my favorite writers ever. So I, there you go. And I obviously I could never have gotten into Brown. I mean, when I say gotten in, I I mean the campus itself I couldn't have gotten into. I they would have just, have just looked at me and said, "Nope." <laughs> gotten several messages from listeners that said the only guy they know that went to uh, Harvard, and you're absolutely right, Tom. The only one they know is Al Franken. <laughs> yeah, he seemed like he was all right, right? Well, he he and about a hundred yeah. he and about a, a hundred other senators that we could yeah yeah. So, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. I don't know if so, I don't know if our current senators did that. I don't know if Amy Klobuchar went to went to Harvard. I don't think she did go to Harvard. Let's see. What's so. her alma mater? Probably. I heard she's a very pleasant person. I've never met her, but she always tells people to say hi to me. So that was that's kind of nice of her. Well, you know, you know the story about my son Max working on her campaign, right? No. Well, he worked on her campaign. He, you know, he had a political science degree and. So, mm -hmm. so uh, he he was hired to sort of. It wasn't like a you know a top level job. He was right out of college, but his his job. I mean, he was not a volunteer. He got paid, but he worked with a lot of with a lot of the volunteers, and he sort of organized them as they would go from. They were basically advanced people, so you know they yeah. would they would go wherever she was about to go, and uh, and mostly they just did things like set up tables with brochures and stickers and things, you know. And uh, but the story he tells, Max is not a guy who, who tells terrible stories about people very much. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this is a terrible story, but it, it is certainly indicative of something. So they were it was the 4th of July and the 4th of July. It's it's huge for politicians. They go from one city to another. Every city has a parade. Right. Mm -hmm. So they were someplace like, uh, I don't know, like like um, let's just say Henderson, Minnesota. So, and then they needed to get to uh, Litchfield. And so Amy was very nervous, you know, about getting to, getting to Litchfield in time and getting, because they had a parade there. Right. And uh, so 
she said to one of her aides, um, uh, so, so, you know, do, how, are we, how am I getting to Litchfield? And the aide said, oh, well, uh, you know, um, Mary Jo over there, you know Mary Jo, she's been with us for many years. She's very reliable, and she's going to give you a ride to Litchfield. And Amy Kolbachar said, um, what kind of car does she drive? Ooh. And the aide said, oh, it's a Honda Civic. And her response was, I, I can't be seen in a poor person's car. Oh, oh well, she did not. Yes, she did. Oh, Amy, what are you doing? Oh, <laughs> Well, this is the woman who ate a salad with a fork. With a comb, I mean. Oh, a, comb? a comb. With she ate it with comb, a comb, yeah. 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 So like she's a, an interesting a, person. It's like a reverse Little Mermaid situation, <laughs> using a comb as a fork. Yeah, yeah. She did. She went to Yale, by the way. Oh, she did. So, okay, so she's in the elite. Same thing. Hmm? Yeah, same story. You need to know a guy for your auto repairs, legal issues, banking, and more. The same goes for investment advice. You need a guy to help you be successful, someone you can trust who gets results. Well, I got a guy for you. Josh Arnold. Josh gives you straight talk, not sugar-coated advice about your financial situation. Josh has seen it all when it comes to economic and market conditions, and Josh can make sure that your retirement objectives match your investments. Do yourself a favor and call Josh now for a no-obligation, 48-minute evaluation. You've got nothing to lose, and you'll get a different point of view for your investments. Call Josh at 952-925-5608. That is 952-925-5608. You'll be glad that you did. And tell him his, his guy, Tom, sent you. Investment services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a security investment advisor. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. All comments and opinions are Josh Arnold's and do not constitute investment advice. Tom Bernard is a paid endorser. And, of course, uh, I think the reason she tells people to say hello to me, even though I've never met her, is because her father, Jim Klobuchar, hated me. I can't even tell you. Uh, Jim, uh, I knew both Jims. I knew the alcoholic Jim, and then I knew, the, <laughs> and then I knew the post-alcoholic Jim. Sure. And the sure. post-alcoholic Jim was the sweetest, nicest guy I've ever met. Was he really? Yeah. But but when he drank, you know, he would get into fights at bars and things. Oh my God! He used to get drunk and go after me like once a week. It was hilarious. He was he was you know he was an excellent writer. He made up some yeah, great was. columns. <clears throat> no, I agree with you absolutely. I just. Uh... He, I hope you got that. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Okay. Good. I just didn't <laughs> yes, let that. Yeah. Jim. Jim had. Jim just liked to sort of invent quotes. That's all. But they were so outlandish that it, it was in a way where you know you would never think that it was an actual quote. No. Wait a second. Are you telling me the people at the Star Tribune would make up quotes of things that people said or did never. that never really happened? Well, really? Very few would, but I never really knew anyone who would, but except for Jim. But that was just sort of a thing he did, and eventually he was suspended for a while for doing it. But I oh, mean, was that was really? that was like you know thirty years after he started doing it. So why did he do it? Just because it wasn't that hard to work? I I think I think he was you know he was just sort of inventing a sort of a a fantastic story. Usually it was like he was quoting people like Norm Van Brocklin, for example. You remember oh, yeah. Norm Van Brocklin? So, you know, Jim covered the Vikings and, and then wrote columns right. about the right. Vikings after that. And uh, he just thought it was, I guess, kind of kind of fun to um, elaborate on quotes or maybe invent them. If you ever tried to get a quote that was interesting from a coach or an athlete, you would know it's almost impossible to get, to get anything that's really worth reading, which is why so many sports writers use them anyway. 
you know, I got to admit something and I'm kind of sad that I have to admit this and maybe I shouldn't admit it because I look like a moron. Who's our other senator in Minnesota? Well, that's the, um, what's her name? The, yeah, I, I guess I just failed. The, the woman who used to be <laughs> you lieutenant know, what's governor. Her name? Of course. The woman who used to be lieutenant governor. I can't name either of our senators. No. Well, Colbachar. Colbachar is one. And but I, I can't well, think of who the other Tina one is. Tina Smith. Tina Smith, right. Oh, Tina Smith. That's T- who Tina Smith okay. has a very low profile. Well, she doesn't. really does. Yeah. That's why I literally now I've heard her name, and now that she said, "Oh yeah, that's who it is," but she has such a low profile. I didn't even remember she was a U.S. senator. Well, yeah. Well, she has probably one of the most generic names. Tina, it's like John Doe, yeah. Tina Smith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, weird. the thing is, she's not. You know, she's not trying to get on, on. You know, uh, she's not trying to go viral every day. Yeah. She's sort of an old-fashioned senator who goes to committee meetings. And, oh, okay. And doesn't doesn't spew obscenities at her colleagues. Mm-hmm. So, and, and imagine she's someone like that is usually pretty really good with constituent problems. Oh, her maiden name is Flint, and her full first name is Christine. Mm-hmm. Christy Flint is a much more memorable name yeah, than Tina Smith. Christy Flint, but it does also sound sort of like an exotic dancer. I was going to say it sounds like someone you could run in like right. Wyoming or something. I, I'd vote for Put a Christy cowboy Flint. hat on her, Christy yeah. Flint. Yeah. There you right. go. Yeah, so we we traded <clears throat> we traded Wellstone and Franken for Tina Smith. I always, thought, I always thought Franken was a very scary person because he was always on TV when I was a little kid, and mm-hmm. I always thought he looked just terrifying. <laughs> he he does guy. have like a very gaunt, yeah. Yeah, he wasn't like Wellstone. Wellstone was a guy who, he was really a very warm person. If you met him once, he knew your name forever. He was just a down-to-earth guy, but, you know, he, he was also very passionate. And he legally had that exclamation point added to his last name. No, yeah, he make did, that he? <laughs> That's awesome. I just, you know, you guys talking about this stuff, I didn't even realize this, but I don't know how far back I'd have to go to find a senator who couldn't stand me. <laughs> or who could stand me, I mean. Excuse me. Yeah, for some reason, senators and I just do not get along. I don't know why that is. Governors, I've been okay with governors. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Jesse and I used to be friends, but I haven't seen him in a long time. He's, he's different, uh different kettle of fish now. But, yeah, I mean... Our United States senators, and again, Amy Klobuchar has never said anything negative about me, but she literally, she always tells people to say hello to me, but she won't come near me. It's well, one of those kind of like Norm Coleman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Norm Coleman, he was a U.S. senator. I got along with him just fine. Haven't heard a word from him since he recovered, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a whole different, de- the well, politicians are a whole different breed of people. There is no doubt about that. The thing about Norm Coleman is I guess he thinks that, that you know, we can't do anything for him anymore. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's what I think of all of these politicians. I don't ever hear from politicians anymore. Not any of them. And I, I the, the most recent one was uh, the guy that wants to be uh, president of the United States from Minnesota. Oh, what the he? yeah. Uh, yeah, what the hell is it? They don't Phillips. Know. Dean Phillips. Phillips. Dean Phillips, yeah. yeah. Dean Phillips came on the show and asked me if I'd endorse him. Mm. And I said, well, you're a friend of a friend, so you seem like a nice guy. Yes, I could. Since I endorsed haven't heard one word from him. Well, he, he, the thing I'll say in his favor is that he is definitely pretty much right in the middle. And they're not. Yeah, he is. He seems to be. Yeah, I mean, so that, that is something I don't know him. I've never met him. Really, the only politicians that I, that I was ever close to, well, of course, Don Frazier. Who was the mayor of Minneapolis, and I was covering City Hall, and he was a wonderful guy. 
Was he? Um, yeah, he. Oh, he was terrific. Yeah, he should have been a senator. He was. He was great. He really, really compassionate, and he he really worked on behalf of everybody. It's um, nice to hear. And Arnie Carlson, you know, I I did a, I did a few little things with with Arnie, and I thought he was. I got along great with Arnie. Yeah, um, and he I was, was he was certainly a kind of a moderate, wouldn't you say? I guess so. I didn't get along moderate with him at Republican. all. Republican. Well, he could be hard to deal with sometimes. Yeah. Well, I used to go over there because Cindy Bricado handed handled his stuff, so she invited me to the to the governor's residence for a couple of things, but yeah. he wouldn't come near me. He was another one. Yeah, she helped us out when we were doing the uh, the Stretch and Z show, and we did a little a bit with with Arnie, and of course, yeah. Arnie was all in for it. He thought it was great, and, and well, that's good. And uh, Bricado helped us out too. And of course, you knew her from doing the uh, the voiceovers for. Channel 5, right? For Channel 5, absolutely. Yeah. Always got along well. All right, that's going to do it for another magnificent episode. I, I just think we solved so many problems that just, again, if what I'd like to see is Harvard just give me 10% of the interest on the, so in other words, all I'm asking for is, is what? About 300 million a year? Million? Yeah. <laughs> 300 million a year. That's not bad, is it? Well, you know, you know, you could get three hundred million a year from them, but all you'd have to do is contribute five hundred million. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's exactly right, too. All right, we'll talk to you guys later. Thanks a lot.